0: The first bit of advice I would have for someone going on a short-term team, I almost don't even wanna call it short-term missions. They should go as a, as a short-term learner, just really go with a posture of what can I learn and how can I see God at work, not I'm gonna go and I'm gonna help the missionary because I'm gonna paint or do this ministry, distribute these tracks. It's really better if they go and say, look, I have so much to learn.
1: Welcome to The Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Tim Kazee. Tim is the founder and executive director of Frontline Missions International. He's also the executive producer and host of the DVD documentary series, Dispatches from the Front, and the author of A Company of Heroes, Portraits from the Gospel's Global Advance with Crossway. Today, Tim and I discuss what God has taught him about the global church through his interactions with God's people in over 80 countries. He reflects on the role that Western Christians will play in world missions in the future, what he thinks about short-term mission trips, and how we can pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ in places like China and the Middle East. Let's get started. Well, thank you for joining us on the Crossway Podcast, Tim.
0: Yeah, thank you, Matt.
1: So you're probably best known for your doctor, documentary series, Dispatches from the Front. Uh, it's a video series that follows you as you travel around the world, visiting Christians uh, all across the globe on virtually every continent. where did you get the idea for that series? And were you at all surprised by the response that it
0: received? For as long as I can remember, I've, I've kept a journal. And when the Lord allowed me to go to Eastern Europe was our starting point of, of our mission work. Um, and I was seeing history-changing events unfold right. and gospel doors uh, opening. I, I wanted to share what I was seeing, so I kept a journal anyway, and I would publish excerpts from those journals. And it was really important for me to to help my friends and and other Christians and other churches to be able to to travel with me, so to speak, um, on those journeys. I think sometimes th- those of us who have the amazing privilege to travel and see the world and see the global church can sometimes be a little bit impatient with Christians mm. who don't get it or don't see it. Um, and See what, or get what? I see the extent of the gospel's power, and see how Christ is building His church all over the world, and, and they may get snippets of it here and there. But I wanted them to feel like they were they were in the middle of it, hmm. so they could experience the joy that I was experiencing and seeing glimpses of the glory that I was seeing, and um, so I wanted to bring them along. So uh, I was told some years later that the way you write. I was told this by a filmmaker, the way you write, if we added film to this, it would take this to another level in terms of communicating um, the message. And so we, we, we did a pilot program, and, and I was really taken back by the multi-generational, multi-different types of church backgrounds, people responding, families, young, old um, to the, to the message of the gospel that was being communicated through these stories. Yeah.
1: So when you first started, before the video series, when you first started uh, sending back these dispatches from your travels, what form did that take? Well, when was that? Like what year, roughly? And then was that like a snail mail kind of thing to a, a newsletter list of some sort, or how did it start?
0: Yes. Uh, I, I'm more of a 19th century kind of guy, so I refer to it as mail. Uh, not snail
1: mail. So, so. <laughs> you can tell what generation I'm from.
0: <laughs> yeah, I understand totally. Uh, I, I did publish excerpts from my journal in our mission newsletter, and mm. then I would share some of them in a monthly newsletter that I would that I would mail out. So, you know, a few few hundred, few thousand people perhaps read those. Um, but that would be back in the the 1990s. I especially started journaling and sharing when I was. In Bosnia during the war in, mm. the, in the 1990s, early 90s, and um, seeing the, the devastations of the war in former Yugoslavia, and seeing the, the work of the church in mercy and in, in gospel witness in those settings. And so that was my first experience of serving in the context of a war zone, and also serving in a, in a predominantly Muslim context as mm. well.
1: Yeah. And so how many countries have you been to, would you guess, at this point?
0: Yeah, um, probably around 90. 90, yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. And how long do you typically stay in a country while you're traveling, or does it vary just depending on the trip?
0: It's it's going to vary. Now, there have been times when I was away for six, seven weeks, close to a couple of months. Um, but I I don't really care for that. Um, <laughs> most of the time I, I try to keep trips yeah. to two to three weeks.
1: Does your wife ever come with you or are you mm-hmm. typically on your own?
0: Yeah, she, she comes um, whenever it's a good fit for her. Yeah. Um, she has a lot of responsibility at Frontline Missions where we serve together. Um, and she's also a little bit of a homebody. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, So an but, interesting
1: dynamic being married to you, uh, a world traveler.
0: Yeah. At the same time, she is just such a vital part of, mm. of what I do. She she always has been. So, I think we make a good team. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, what was your last trip? Where were you, and how long were you there? And then, what did you what did you see there?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the the last trip was a trip to Southeast Asia, and then I was down in Australia, uh, New Zealand, speaking at a church and seminary uh, down there, so nothing too, too exotic. gorgeous and <laughs> encouraging to see God's work in, in that part of Australia. But um, um, the time before that, I was in the Middle East, in uh, a Hezbollah stronghold, mm. and with a pastor who planted a church, a, a former Muslim um, pastor named Muhammad. Um, and Christ saved him and is now positioning him to um, reach his people mm. and so it was it was very powerful for me to see the, the courage, the faith, the love of these people in the face of so much hate and the culture of death that is strong in that that strain of Islam and in that part of the world
1: mm. yeah, as you think about. The time that you spent with Muhammad, uh, this pastor, does that change the way that you view when you come back to the States or in a kind of Western country, the way that you view our churches and and pastoral ministry here?
0: I do see so many beautiful things about how they create community, how they love each other, the focus on um, fellowship and hospitality. Uh, as gateways for the gospel message to adorn the gospel message um, so for sure I, I see that and I'm always um, amazed by their courage their spirit-given courage um, still I, I think it's important that we don't set Christians up on the other side of the world as being something other than we are hmm. sinners saved by grace as we can tend to say or think oh God's really working over there. Those Christians are really like super Christians. And over here, we're not quite up to to all of that. And, yeah. and I think that in in some ways diminishes the, the power, the, the reality of, of the gospel and how Christ is building his church all over the world. Hmm. He has authority in all places, and that includes here. And the gospel still works here, and he is still... Um, calling men and women to himself here and they are following their cross bear here so I, I i don't like to emphasize too much like over there they're amazing and over here we're just struggling to you know um, i i don't see that at all i, I see that um, as men and women are making christ's priorities theirs as, as they are pursuing him that uh, he is using them and so there's some amazing christians over here and they're mm. Obviously, amazing Christians over there.
1: Yeah, are there any other misconceptions that you you feel like are common among Americans when uh, when they think about Christians around the world?
0: They're, they're sinners saved by grace. They are in a d- definitely a different kind of circumstance than we are um, uh, in this country, but uh, they are brothers and sisters with all of the failings and joys and sp- need of the spirit and i think that informs how we pray for them as well hmm. uh, when we know what uh, they're going through to be able to it just says in hebrews 13 uh, three where you are to remember those who are in prison as if you were in prison with them and uh, those who are being mistreated because you are also in the body um, so that you know the writer of Hebrews helps us see that this is like a family member hmm. that we are embracing and praying for and identifying with because of the gospel.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's so much of Scripture that seems particularly relevant in some of those more difficult, hostile contexts that um, it can be a little bit hard to really understand, I think, fully and mm-hmm. and grasp experientially in America, where we're so used to the freedom and. Um, the abundance uh, here. Uh, do you see that? that there there can be at times an insight into certain passages um, because there is that lived experience, whether it's because of persecution or, or other issues?
0: Yeah, de- definitely um, we can't you know, fully appreciate the context therein when there is uh, in, in some cases, I, I think of uh, Pakistan, for example, or many other countries like that. But having been with uh, believers in that country and seeing this tiny minority so so discriminated against from cradle to grave, that we don't have any we don't have any real context for that. I do think it's a it's um, it's, it's important to remember in our context that. In a sense, the first phase of persecution is intimidation. Um, see that in Acts four, they were just threatened and then sent away to like, you, you think about this, if you keep down this path, there's gonna be serious trouble. And these, this is being spoken by those who had crucified their, their master not long before. Hmm. Um, so intimidation is always the, the, the first assault against the Christian. And if, if that intimidation causes them to be quiet, to shut their mouth and keep their faith personal and private and silent, then n- nobody has a problem with that. Hmm. It's when we speak. It's when we open our mouths and declare um, the work of Christ, the good news, that that's when the, that's when the trouble starts.
1: So some of our listeners may be aware that Things are getting pretty rough for Christians in China right now over mm-hmm. the last few yes. months. I don't know exactly how long you would say it's kind of changed, but it's fairly recent. Things have, have gotten noticeably worse. Can you explain what's happening and how the church there in China is responding?
0: First of all, praise God for the power of the gospel in China. Uh, I th- perhaps the greatest numerical movement and growth of the church in church history has happened in China in the past 20 to 30 years. Um, And there have been waves, like waves beating on the shore, waves of persecution coming and waning and coming, and now they're in a time of renewed uh, pressure on the church. And the uh, communist leader, Chairman Xi, is uh, committed to Forcing the church to submit to the state, and even now down to having a Bible that is in a so called Bible that is in accordance with uh, communist and and communist Chinese principles. So there is enormous pressure on the church. Um, Many have been arrested, property confiscated, uh, and destroyed. And yet, uh, I just heard just a few weeks ago from some uh, dear friends in China, right in the middle of the arena right now of the pressure and the assaults. And they are saying there is, we we have not experienced this kind of joy Hmm. in many years. And Jesus is with them in their suffering. And this is the only explanation of why under all the pressure that they're experiencing now and the arrest and the threat of arrest and confiscation of property, that they are saying we are growing and we are growing in our joy uh, for Christ for the gospel. They're sharing. They're not. They're not holding back. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus is with them and He is using them in this in this time.
1: How would you say that those listening to us today, people all around the world, uh, can be praying for our brothers and sisters in China specifically? Are there mm-hmm. certain things that we can be lifting up to God in prayer for them that are? particularly appropriate for them right now?
0: I I think, to begin with, go back to Hebrews 13, that for those who are in prison, as as if we are sitting right next to them in the chains as well, not on the other side of the bars, but sitting next to them, Um, those who are mistreated because we are also in the body. So, pray for them as we would imagine our brothers and sisters of our family um, suffering through cancer or some fearful thing and circumstance. So in an understanding way, um, try to enter into what they're experiencing, understanding this that they are taking part in the sufferings of Christ as well in this time. So I think pray for them as they are, in fact, brothers and sisters. Hmm. Um, and also pray... That god would give them great grace so that they would have boldness to speak the gospel in those situations because that's when the gospel message shines the clearest and it's a it's an encouraging thing to realize that persecution and i'm not minimizing it at all because it's real the the bruises are black and blue the the blood is real i mean People suffer in those circumstances but um, to realize that persecution is actually a mark of gospel advance Hmm. if there's no gospel at work people uh, aren't hearing good news responding to it churches aren't resulting from those disciples um, forming and gathering that there's no persecution Hmm. but when the gospel starts to advance persecution comes. So actually, it's a mark of progress mm, mm. and not regress.
1: Yeah, there's a, a famous uh, maxim from church history. I, I can't recall. You probably know off the top of your head who said it, but that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Uh, Tertullian. What do you think about that? Is that a, a helpful way of thinking about persecution uh, today?
0: It's. I, I do think it's, it's part of that upside-down nature of, of the gospel. Um, as, as he said, the, he's talking to the Roman persecutors, the more you mow us down, you know, like, um, the, more we're, the more we grow, and uh, the blood of Christians is seed. So um, again, not minimizing the suffering, but realizing that God, who is, who is doing this work, who is behind this work? Who is directing this work? Um, he is using the sufferings of his people hmm. um, for his glory and for the advancement of his of his message.
1: Well, and that's one reason I think that the work that you do as a missions journalist, uh, whether it's through these video series that you've created, through your two books now that are similar in that they, you're you're kind of chronicling your travels and giving western christians americans a glimpse at what god is doing around the world it helps us to pray it helps us to see these christians as brothers and sisters in christ who we can relate to to some extent even if we never meet them never speak with them so i think that's that's a one of the wonderful benefits of what you're doing Um, it makes me think too then of that's often touted as one of the benefits of like a short-term mission trip Uh, it gives people who have maybe never been outside of the states Young people often a chance to kind of see what another culture is like and what God's doing in other places. What do you think about short term mission trips? They can kind of be controversial sometimes, particularly when you speak with veteran career missionaries or uh, missions workers. What are the pros and cons in your mind
0: yes that's a that's a good question and uh, a, a lot of directions we could we could go with that um, I think if we Frontline Missions uh, has an internship program, so we are involved in short-term missions in, in that way. Um, our short-term missions are like two months and two years. Hmm. Um, kind of our idea of short-term is, is two years, but um, the, the first bit of advice I would have for someone going on a short-term team, and I would say that it should be a team that is—it um, should be church-based— and there should be some mentoring before getting on the plane. Uh, significant mentoring before getting on the plane. There and and a, a good strong debrief and where do we go from here and action items afterwards. A real structured thing, not just not just a vacation, not just a cool pictures for Instagram, but. Hmm. But uh, but something that's gonna that is directed and is is rooted in the in their church. Hmm. Um, but having said that, every one of those short-termers should go. Not I almost don't even want to call it short-term missions. Um, they should go as a as a short-term learner. Just really go with the posture of what can I learn here, and how can I see God at work in um not i'm going to go and i'm going to help the missionary because i'm going to paint or do this ministry um, distribute these tracts i'm helping them uh it, it it it's really better if they go and say look i have so much to learn i have i have i need to learn from these veterans i need to learn from my brothers and sisters in this culture that we're visiting for a few days and so I'm going to learn all I can and then see how God's going to impact my life through what I'm learning. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's helpful. So as you look forward 10, 20, maybe even 50 years, I know we're I'm asking to predict the future here a little bit, but what role do you see, quote-unquote, Western missionaries playing in the advance of the gospel around the world versus the role that indigenous Christians will play?
0: It's It's... Um, true. It's, it's beautiful that um, the worldwide mission force is so much more diverse than it, it's ever been before, um, because as Christ is calling men and women to himself from every nation, so he's also sending them out to every nation. And we need to be reminded of that in this country, where we can think that our, our money and our organizations and our seminaries are the fountainhead of, of global missions, and we are not the fountainhead of global missions. <laughs> Christ is building his church, and he's doing this work. And he is, that being said, he is still calling men and women from Western countries, from this country, um, to to be part of that work. So, um we we have we we will continue to have a role to play, just as Egyptians and Ethiopians and Chinese and Indians and French and Dutch and um, Brazilians will have in in His Kingdom work.
1: Hmm. Yeah. What's been one of the most encouraging, uh, awesome things that you've seen in your travels over the years that testifies to God's power and the way that He's moving in surprising and amazing and glorious ways? On the other hand, what's been one of the most difficult or discouraging or disturbing things that you've seen in your travels um, that, that we can be praying for?
0: I, I think of just a panorama of brothers and sisters that I have met who came out of just dark religion and were converted, changed, born again, and in some cases, they were persecutors of the way just like Paul. Hmm. And now they are proclaimers of the word, powerful proclaimers, bold proclaimers. And so uh, through their lives I'm just reminded once again that Christ is alive and he is bringing people to himself and and it's the, the new birth is a radical inside work of Christ that is made to last
1: Hmm. yeah
0: I think that's I mean that's a that's not a single event uh, but uh, oh I could just one one person after another I've seen in their face and in their ministry this radical transformation of the gospel yeah that is wonderful
1: Uh, does anything stand out as uh, a disturbing or discouraging
0: thing that you've Mm -hmm. seen Uh, I have I have seen my brothers and sisters in great physical pain uh from their from the hands of their persecutors people who've had their their homes burned to the ground women who have been um, have been raped um a dad I'm thinking of right now whose son was murdered so it it's it hurts. it hurts deeply to see their pain, and it causes me to pray for them hmm. even more. Um, so when we talk about the persecuted church, it seems like this big tagline for half the world, but it comes down to men and women who are a part of our family, our blood-bought family forever, that, that we are to suffer alongside of as best we can. And enter into this in a in a prayerful, caring life for them.
1: Have you ever seen things that were just so hard that you felt discouraged? You felt like I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I don't know if I can keep seeing these things. Uh, have you ever kind of thought about stopping? Uh,
0: no. Um, and and I and I, I, I say that because I know that I know that. Everything that Christ has done is doing is just guaranteed to succeed, uh, even when it's really dark. And and this comes to mind. I was in Pakistan uh, after an attack on a Christian community, three hundred Christian families and um, churches uh, were all burned down, and their homes looted and many of them destroyed. And um, in that awful situation, and and I was there right after it occurred, um, one of these brothers there came to me, spoke enough English to just start quoting scripture. Like he's standing there in the ashes of his church, and he's saying, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he just goes through to quote John 14 that Jesus says, I've prepared a place for you. And then he says, he's quoting again from Christ in Revelation, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. And I'm hearing this from the from the mouth of a man who is standing there with all the threats and fears and question marks over his future. And he has just has an unshakable confidence that everything that Christ promised will come to pass.
1: Hmm. So uh last question a little bit more lighthearted. Obviously, you do a lot of traveling. You probably, pretty safe to say you're a pro when it comes to traveling oh. internationally. <laughs> What's one piece of advice that you would offer to to our listeners who, uh, when it comes to traveling internationally?
0: Yeah. Don't drink the water.
1: <laughs> Don't drink the water. Does that mean <laughs> you're packing uh, in water for yourself in, all in, the time?
0: And travel light. I'm just naming like the two most common things that we're supposed mm-hmm. to... to Acknowledge, Although I would say, you know, water is a, is a principal culprit of, yeah. of, of uh, a traveler's illnesses. But um, I think uh, as, as much as is possible, um, speaking just as a traveler, get off the beaten path, um, get out and ask lots of questions, take good notes, be a good listener. And uh, learn all you can. And as a, as a Christian, learn all you can to see God's glory and what you're experiencing.
1: Hmm. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today on the Crossway Podcast and thank you, Matt. sharing a little bit about your own, well, the things that God has taught you as you've traveled and seen the mighty ways that He is working all around the world and the gospel is advancing yes. uh, for His glory. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. That was Tim Kazee, reflecting on the spread of the gospel around the world. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, A Company of Heroes, Portraits from the Gospel's Global Advance, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, which helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry That exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's Word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.